Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. It's the first weekend in December. Now begins the quiet time for travel until the middle of the month when fares go up and planes fill up. So I hope you have the time to relax, spend some time with me talking travel as we do every weekend on this show. Uh, it's been a uh, big travel news uh, week this week, beginning with the announcement on Tuesday morning by American Airlines that it would declare bankruptcy. Alone among the major carriers, Americans soldiered through the recession, vowing not to enter Chapter 11. And while its competitors slashed debt and renegotiated expensive labor contracts to cut costs, American could not and said they would not. But that all changed this week. I'm going to return to this subject in a moment. But first, I'd like to welcome a new station to Rudy Max's World, News Talk WVBG 1490 in Vicksburg, Mississippi. They're decking the halls and the antebellum mansions uh, of this gracious Mississippi town that's home to five casinos, upscale shopping and dining, and numerous historical sites. After all, this is the town about which Abraham Lincoln said during the Civil War, Vicksburg is the key. The war can never be brought to a close until the key is in our pocket. The resulting siege of Vicksburg lasted 47 days and became the turning point in the war between the states. This weekend, the Vicksburg Theater Guild puts on its rendition of It's a Wonderful Life, and this weekend, Rudy Max's World makes its debut on News Talk WVBG 1490. Welcome aboard, Vicksburg. This hour, we're going to meet a London designer who's got a radical new idea on how trains could meet the needs of the 21st century. He thinks the world's train systems, even the high-speed ones, are, in some respects, uh, stuck back in the 19th century. We're going to talk with a veteran hotel public relations executive to ask her about the toughest stories she's ever had to spin. I'll give you a hint. They involve a certain hotel in Washington, D.C. that seemed to be a favorite playground for misbehaving celebrities. And could airline food kill you? Well, a Miami family uh, claims a meal on a flight killed one of them due to bacteria in in-flight food, and they filed a lawsuit seeking damages. But what about the average airline meal? Is it good for you? We're going to talk to Charles Platkin, a.k.a. the Diet Detective, who researched in-flight meals and has a report card. But first, let's get back to that American Airlines bankruptcy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the airline had posted a loss in 14 of the last 16 quarters. Its pension obligations are underfunded by almost $5 billion, by all reports. This week, the continually rising price of jet fuel and painfully slow labor negotiations apparently forced management's hand. But let's turn to an expert on this and find out. There's nothing, uh, uh, there's nothing that Andrea Ailes doesn't know. She's an aviation reporter with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and she follows American Airlines very closely. Andrea, welcome to Rudy Max's World. Andrea? Is Andrea there? I'm yep. here. Oh, hi, Andrea. Sorry, maybe, maybe just having your sound turned up. Well, is it really the twin demons of rising fuel costs and, uh, and labor, uh, you know, ponderous labor negotiations that pushed American over the edge this week, or has it been limping along for years now? Well, there has been talk that they've had several problems over the past couple of years. It was, there were the rising fuel cost prices. There was also the fact that they had much higher labor costs compared to other airlines. But at this point, what the management decided to do, they could have continued to 
operate outside of bankruptcy through next year. They had enough cash on hand. They have about $4 billion in cash. But they chose to go voluntarily into bankruptcy protection because of the way management viewed it is things were not getting better. If we go now, instead of waiting for our creditors to push us into bankruptcy, that way we can have a little bit more control over our own destiny in terms of how we reorganize this airline in bankruptcy. Well, American's been negotiating for its with its pilots for something like five years. Is there blame we can assess here, either uh, uh, on the company or on the pilots' union? Well, there's sort of blame on both sides, quite frankly. The pilots' union had elected uh, a leader a couple years ago that his attitude was, I'm not even going to talk to the company. It was very contentious. They basically spent three years not even negotiating at the negotiating table because the pilot leadership chose not to unless American gave into some very unlikely demands, 56% pay increases, things like that. They did elect a more moderate uh, leader about a year and a half ago, and that's when you saw the two sides really getting down to the negotiations table. But unfortunately, management sort of waited too long to put out pay proposals, they really tried to force the pilots to make a decision very quickly. And the pilots decided, you know, we're going to take our time. We're not going to uh, have a contract go back to our members to vote on if it's not something we think they're going to pass. And quite frankly, they were asking for concessions from the pilots, and the pilots weren't didn't really have the stomach to do it. They'd already asked them for concessions in 2003. The pilots really were not looking to be able to do another concessionary contract with management at this time. Are we going to see a downsized American Airlines in the future? That's the most likely scenario when you go through bankruptcy. I took a look at the other previous airline bankruptcies that have occurred in the past decade, United Airlines, Delta, U.S. Airways, Northwest. All of those carriers came out smaller. They had fewer flights. They had fewer employees. They also had lower cost structures because they did, like in United's case, uh, they jettisoned their pensions to the um, government agency that takes care of private pensions. So, quite frankly, through this process, analysts are saying American is going to emerge a much smaller carrier. But then Continental United uh, got married. Um, they did. Yes, they did. And Northwest and Delta got married. Is there a, a wedding for U.S. Airways and American in the future, Has been as, as has been often discussed? Well, I think if you pull Wall Street analysts, you get sort of a 50-50 response on whether or not U.S. Airways and Americans should merge. Uh, some say there are great cost synergies there. You know, they're the, last, they're the two smallest of the legacy carriers out there. It makes sense for them to join up to become sort of like the super carriers that you see with United Continental and Delta and Northwest. But on the other hand, American and U.S. Airways, have, they have a lot of overlap in their networks in terms of where they fly. It's not like a complementary fit, like when you saw Southwest Airlines and AirTran come together uh, last year, or earlier this year, I should say. Southwest had no presence in Atlanta and a, a not a strong presence sort of in the sort of the southeast and, and the upper Midwest area where AirTran did. So it made sense for the two of them to, to get married, as you would say. So... It's unclear at this point if U.S. Airways and American would have a merger. That's not to say that U.S. Airways has always been very um, vocal about wanting to merge with someone, whether it's American. They've definitely tried to do it in the past. They tried to uh, do a hostile takeover bit of Delta back when Delta was in bankruptcy. So. And hasn't Alaska been mentioned in, in connection with American as well, Alaska Airlines? Alaska and JetBlue are sort of the other possibilities out there, JetBlue particularly because of their strength in the Northeast, where American is sort of pulled back in Boston and is sort of slot-constrained out of LaGuardia Airport. But um, with Alaska, they already have a co-chairing agreement. It's, it's sort of an interesting situation there because Alaska is considered a legacy carrier. They, they've been around since, like, the 1920s, but they're very concentrated on the West Coast. And it's not clear on, on if a merger between Alaska and, and American would really have the same sort of benefit on the cost side as one with U.S. Airways would. 
Andrea Ailes covers American Airlines as an aviation reporter with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We may be checking in with her periodically during this uh, bankruptcy period, if that's all right with you. Thank you, Andrea. Sure, and you have a good day. You too. Uh, meanwhile, you probably have heard it in, in mainstream media. There's really nothing American passengers have to do to protect themselves at the moment. Uh, airline may cut some routes down the boat, but right now it's business as usual. Your frequent flyer miles are safe. In fact, Americans' mileage program, maybe if it's an in-flight magazine, are two of the only profit-making arms of the airfare or the airline. Excuse me. Stick around. We'll be right back. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Attention savvy travelers, Rudy Maxa here. If you're like me, you can't afford to take chances when you travel. You need medical evacuation service that's dependable and won't cost you a fortune in hidden fees. You need MedJet Assist. As a member, if you're hospitalized over 150 miles from home, MedJet will arrange medical transfer to the hospital of your choice free of charge. Believe me, you won't find protection like this from any other company, which is why I'm a member. It's time to travel smarter. Visit TakeTripsNotChances.com and sign up today. MedJet Assist. Take trips, not chances. I have this dizzy feeling every time I get out of bed, like spinning. I don't know why. It's awful. I get dizzy when I read or work on the computer. I get lightheaded walking down a hall or aisle. Or unsteady on my feet. I lose my balance and get a little motion sick. It's like vertigo. That dizzy feeling in a car, train, or airplane. It's awful. An inner ear problem. Most likely your vestibular system. Now there's Zyvestra. An amazing, fast-acting... Dual-action tabs and targeted cream. You rub behind your ear. Behind your ear. And it works in an advanced homeopathic way to relieve dizziness. It relieves that vertigo feeling. That dizzy feeling, gone. Zyvestra is amazing. No more suffering from dizziness and queasiness. Wake up with better balance. Call right now for your risk-free trial of Zyvestra. Call 1-800-304-1684. 800-304-1684. Stop the dizziness. Call 800-304-1684. That's 800-304-1684. Do you suffer from a magnesium deficiency? My doctor told me I needed more magnesium, so he recommended I use Magox 400. You're not alone. Millions of Americans don't get enough magnesium in their daily diet. And magnesium is a critical nutrient that helps you convert carbohydrates, protein, and fat into energy. Doctor recommended Magox 400 is made with the most concentrated form of magnesium available. And each dose of Magox 400 provides all the magnesium you need each day. Magox 400's magnificent. Try Magox 400, the magnificent magnesium supplement. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. This segment of Rudy Maxa's World is brought to you by discoverireland.com forward slash west coast. Western Ireland's got breathtaking landscapes, authentic cultural heritage, and local folks you'll adore. The West Coast of Ireland is all yours to discover. You know, we did a couple of shows in the West Coast of Ireland uh, in November, and it was a great time. What a lovely, lovely part of the country. It really is rugged and wild, and as I like to say, it's sort of Ireland as you think of it in your imagination. Um, for more information, you can go to uh, discoverireland.com forward slash West Coast, or visit rudymaxa.com and look under sponsors. Uh, it's about 19 minutes after the hour. Um, one news item I didn't have time to get in when we were talking to Andrea that uh, 
There was a lot of brouhaha earlier this week about a strike at London's airports. Border control officers went on a 24-hour strike on Wednesday, and many predicted massive delays as passengers flew into U.K. airports. One travel journalist predicted folks would be standing in line as long as 12 hours to clear customs. Uh, even management asked uh, management for Heathrow asked planes to fly into the airport with 50% of its seats full. That brouhaha proved for naught, fortunately, with management and some police manning the custom booths. The one-day strike hardly affected travelers. Uh, score an unusual success for Heathrow, which hasn't uh, been able to weather uh, twists in the road very well in the past. We're waiting to reach a, uh, a guest. We got him? No, we don't have him. Okay, we are still waiting to reach a guest. We are still waiting to reach our, our guest in London. Meanwhile, let me tell you something that uh, came up this week I thought was interesting. Delta is the world's largest airline, of course, so this may affect you uh, just a bit. This is the end of the year when a lot of frequent flyers do what's called a mileage run. Now, you may not be part of this insanity or know about this particular brand of curious behavior, uh, but frequent business travelers who each year work to qualify for an elite level of an airline's frequent flyer program uh, often have to look at their mileage numbers by the end of the year and go, oh, my gosh, good, I'm, I'm 3,000 miles short of being silver, gold, platinum, diamond, you name it, whatever it is on any airline. And uh, so they take an unnecessary trip. I will plead guilty this myself. I remember years ago in, in, in when I lived in Washington, D.C., flying to and from London, uh, two round trips in two days. I left, left Washington, D.C.'s Dulles Airport at night, landed at Heathrow in the morning, uh, cooled my jets for about four hours at Heathrow and left on an afternoon flight back for an evening arrival in Washington and then did it all over again the next day. I know it's crazy. I know it, it's totally crazy. But for frequent flyers, reaching those elite levels of airline programs uh, can have enormous uh, benefits. Uh, in the case of Delta, which I'm going to talk about in a moment because they have an offer here that will prevent, will uh, save you the jet lag if you're willing to put out some money. Uh, if you reach platinum level on Delta, which means you fly 75,000 miles on the airline. Now, these aren't miles that you accumulate by renting cars or going through the right car wash or you know taking out a mortgage on your house with someone who's got a relationship with Delta. These are generally actually miles flown, or as I'm going to tell you in a moment, you can actually buy some of these what are called uh, uh, EQMs or uh, Delta MQMs, medallion qualifying miles. Um, so what are the advantages? Why do people do these mileage runs? Why do frequent flyers care whether they're silver, gold, or, uh, or platinum? Well, in the case of Delta, for example, if you're a platinum flyer, for all of 2012, you will have unlimited upgrades to the front of the plane if there is space available. Uh, you are upgraded, of course, before the gold folks and the silver folks. Um, you get upgraded even on free tickets, on award tickets. Um, you, get a, you get a selection of the following, four system-wide upgrades each year. In other words, you can take one of these upgrades and toss it at a, at a seat, and um, as soon as you make the reservation, even if it's two months before the flight, and you'll get it. Or you can choose 20,000 bonus miles, or you can choose silver status for a companion, or you can choose four Delta Sky Club passes uh, or travel and retail gift cards. You don't have to pay baggage fees for yourself or any traveling companion, a traveling companion being someone whose reservation is booked on the same, uh, at the same time you book yours. There's no charge for access to Delta's economy comfort seats, so seats with four, four inches extra leg room. And you also have a special higher priority phone number to call, which means they'll answer faster generally if the lines are crowded than everyone else. Okay, let me get to the point of this deal. Uh, this week, Delta announced a shortcut to collecting these miles, these valuable elite qualifying miles. I wish I had known it. Um, so instead of hopping on a plane, you can buy these miles if you act by December 15th. Okay, so if you're a Delta flyer and you're trying to make uh, the next level of eliteness, 
whether it be silver, gold, platinum, or diamond. Diamond have to fly 125,000 miles a year. Uh, here's the deal. You can buy 2,500 miles to top off your account for $295. Um, that's about equivalent to uh, an Atlanta Albuquerque fare. Um, you could, for 5,000 miles, it'll cost you about $495. That's equivalent to a Minneapolis Anchorage round trip. 695 for 7,500 miles and 895 for 10,000 miles. Wish I'd known that. I'm flying to London next week on an unnecessary trip just to qualify for a platinum because I had to do this before I knew Delta was going to make this offer. I could have just paid 895 and not left home. I'm going to pay 995, fly to London and come back. I must say, I have two granddaughters there, so I'm not entirely unhappy about that, but uh, might not have been what I chose if I knew this. We have our guest on the line. Um, delighted to ha have him uh, join us. We may have to ask him to come back sort of toward the end of the hour to continue this conversation, um, because this is something I'd like to go into uh, a little more depth. Paul Priestman is the director of Priestman Good. It's a London-based multidisciplinary design group that works on branding, transport, environment, product, and package design. And he's got an idea about how to make railroads much more efficient, uh, cost-effective, palatable to, uh, uh, to uh, passengers. Uh, uh, Paul, welcome to, the, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi. We just have a few minutes left in this segment. I may have to ask you to come back uh, in about uh, 40 minutes, if that's possible, and finish Not this conversation. Problem, no problem at all. No problem. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, high-speed trains are, 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 are certainly Europe is known for them. Uh, Asia, China, both Japan are known for yep. them. United States, we don't quite have them. Uh, but you're not necessarily talking about just high-speed trains. You are talking about high-speed trains, but you're talking about a whole new way for trains to integrate into the fabric of a, a country's transportation system. Can you explain it to us? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, what I think is a problem with, with railways at the moment is you, you can't go from your street to another street in another city. And, that's true. Um, I had this idea that um, wouldn't it be great if a, a local tram or light rail, a sort of small metro train, could link with the high-speed lines and then to sort of seamlessly transport you around the country? So how does – well, you mean pull into the same station as? <laughs> well, the idea is that um, a tram would circulate through a city. Okay. And then you'd get on the tram, the tram would go around the city, and then would go out of the city and then link with the high-speed line. You mean as the, as up, the two trains are moving? That's correct. As the train as the tram speeds up, the high speed link, uh, train links with this, and then they dock and they allow you to travel or trans to transfer between the two vehicles. And it's no more hurry than actually getting on and off a train at a normal station. Well, you think? The, the, sorry, Paul, yeah, excuse, me, excuse me for interrupting, Paul. But you think if we can do it in outer space, if we can send a spaceship up to a space station that's orbiting and we can link, that this would be technically possible. Absolutely, yeah. And you get it on ships, you get it on ski lifts, you get it on escalators, um, and in space. Yeah, it, it, the technology is there. I just think that, that um, railway stations, they haven't changed in 100 years. You know, we, you know we, 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 we've flown since then. And uh, the, railway the railway system, the infrastructure hasn't changed. And we're designing high-speed trains for countries all over the world. But we're putting this new technology, I think, on a sort of an old infrastructure, an old theory. And we have to rethink it. And you call this a movable platform? Yeah, moving platforms. Moving platform. 
All right, let me see if I can paint this picture and tell me if I'm correct. So you get on a tram in front of your house, a streetcar, yep. whatever. It yep. uh, goes on its route, and then it goes perhaps a little bit outside of town, and right. a, a high-speed train slows down. The tram speeds up till they're yep. the same speed. They link. The door is open. People go from one to the other. Thank you very much. The high-speed train keeps going. The tram returns to town, and nobody's had to stand around a station, miss a connection, et cetera. Yep. It's absolutely correct. You see, I think the railway system is a bit like pre-internet. It's a bit like the old telephone system where you had to plug things in and dial numbers. And this idea is to bring it so you can go where you want in the world or in the country. And it right. allows you to travel. Paul, I want to ask you to come back. Uh, let's see. It's now about um, what time? It's about 27 minutes after the hour, both in London and here in the United States. Yep. Uh, could we ask you to stand by and join us again at about oh, 43 after? Uh, excuse me, about 52 after the hour. Absolutely, no problem at all. All right, we'll give you because what I want to talk about. I want to talk a bit about high-speed trains and their efficacy in the United States and so on. So we'll check with you uh, in a few minutes, Paul. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Paul Priestman is the director of Priestman Good. It's a London-based multidisciplinary design group, and I've looked at their website. It's quite fascinating. It's Priestman Good with an E on the end on Good. PriestmanGood.com. And the firm specializes in, uh, and we're going to have Paul back uh, uh, another time as well, um, because they've done some very radical and uh, cutting-edge designs of hotels and cruise ships that I want to talk to him about. For now, let's keep it on trains. And around 52 minutes after the hour, I'll invite Paul back on. We're going to talk about high-speed trains in the United States and whether it's just a just a dream that can never happen. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. It's about oh about 28 minutes after the hour. We'll be back in just a moment. Rudy Max's World is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at rudymaxa.com. Ireland invites you to the exclusive Cliff Corknickles. Intrigued by Cliff Corknickles? It's simple. After gasping at the Cliffs of Moore, too exhausted to talk, one starts listening to the chronicles of the locals in Cork, known for spinning a good yarn. Bring a fresh pot of tea, because in a land famous for its wool, the yarn can last all night. Cliffs of Moore, Cork, Chronicles, Cliff Corknickles. Flex that mouth and brace those ears. Take a vacation from the typical vacation. DiscoverIreland.com. Find great value vacation offers at DiscoverIreland.com. As a nurse, I'm on my feet all day long. That's why I wear the Profoot 2-ounce Miracle insoles. I used to wear gel insoles. Then I learned they're three times heavier than the 2-ounce Miracle insoles. The 2-ounce Miracle insoles are so lightweight and extremely comfortable. Plus, the gel insoles cost almost twice as much as the 2-ounce Miracle insoles. I'm not going to pay more for gel insoles anymore. Try the Profoot 2-ounce Miracle insoles with Vitafoam, available at Walgreens, Rite Aid, and other fine stores. participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. 
Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to the country's most widely syndicated radio travel show. I'm your genial host, Rudy Maxa. Nice to have you aboard. I was mentioning in the previous segment about Delta's New Deal this week, where you can buy elite qualifying miles up until December 15th. I neglected to give you the exact website. It's delta.com forward slash buy MQMs. MQM stands for medallion qualifying miles. Delta.com forward slash buy MQMs. Um, and if you need just regular old miles, not qualifying ones for elite status, uh, if you've got a Delta Sky Miles credit card from American Express, Delta's going to let you buy miles till the end of the year, and you'll receive a 100% bonus. So if you buy 5,000 miles, you'll get an extra 5,000 miles. You can handle that at Delta.com. Vivian Duchelle is an old friend of mine. She's a, uh, a, 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 a PR woman, a hotel PR woman, and executive par excellence. She has been with Ritz-Carlton until recently for, for how long, Vivian? How long were you with Ritz-Carlton? It was almost 25 years, Rudy. So she got to know the hotel business a bit, and she was in charge, Vivian's, uh, for much of her career, in charge of all the PR people for all the Ritz-Carlton's in the world. And uh, I thought the fact that she had left Ritz-Carlton would be an interesting time to talk to her about some of the stories that she had to handle, shall we say, uh, in a delicate way. And uh, Vivian and I talked a little about this before she joined me today. And Vivian, you were telling me about a particular hotel in Washington that, that seemed to be star-crossed when it came to uh, celebrities misbehaving. Well, that is true, Rudy. It's, it's, it's a funny story. Back about 20 years ago, Ritz-Carlton opened a hotel in a place called Pentagon City. And for your listeners who are not familiar with Northern Virginia, uh, that's in Arlington. And everybody would say, what in the world are you doing opening a Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City? I never even heard of it. The fact of the matter is there was a large shopping center going up there, and now 20 years later, it's the home of many great uh, office buildings and headquarters. But um, it really was difficult to get publicity that wasn't negative. But then uh, things happened that uh, ironically put the hotel on the map, and that's primarily because it became a place where celebrities, quote-unquote, um, hung out. Uh, probably my favorite story was uh, the day I got the phone call about Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp having their famous lunch in the dining room at the Ritz-Carlton Pentagon City where um, she was uh, setting the FBI trap for Monica with the story of the blue dress and all of that. And, uh, frankly, it caught me by great surprise when I turned on the TV that night and realized that my hotel had now become the center of um, uh, the cause to urban politics. Let's, uh, let me back up. Let me just explain yeah. a little of that to an audience who might not remember that. But uh, Linda Tripp was... Uh, the one who blew the whistle on Monica Lewinsky's affair with then-President Bill Clinton. And uh, to verify it for the FBI, uh, she invited Monica to tea at the Pentagon City Ritz-Carlton, and it was recorded, and that was it. Am I, did I summarize it correctly? That's a, that is about it. And interestingly, Linda Tripp had always been a um, customer of hers because uh, she would arrange military visits to the hotel at Pentagon City. So... She was no stranger, and none of us thought anything about her having lunch and asking for a very, very private table. Before we talk about how you, how you spin that, because we really only have about four minutes um, left, um, tell us a couple of the other scandals there, and then I'll ask you what you do in these cases. <laughs> well, we did have the famous Marv Alpert um, experience, where if, if your viewers, your listeners have a good memory, they'll recall that Marv did have a propensity for um, some strange companions. And uh, this particular one uh, went to the police about the activities in the guest room. At the and, Pentagon City Ritz-Carlton. Uh, 
at the Pentagon City Ritz-Carlton. And just to top it off, then we had the famous D.C. Madam case that also occurred there. And um, the general manager once asked me in all seriousness, so how do I, you know, tastefully exploit this? And I said, well, on your, <laughs> on your fact sheet or on your voicemail, why don't you say for a good bite or a good sound bite, come to the Ritz-Carlton Pentagon City because what else was there to say? Well, what, I don't remember the D.C. What was the D.C. Madam case? The D.C. Madam was uh, a fairly notorious uh, lady that uh, procured ladies of the night for, um, for famous people. And she got caught, and it turns out that much of her activity uh, often happened at the Ritz-Carlton Pentagon City. Okay. Uh, we got some, people, some people will say it doesn't matter what kind of publicity you get as long as they spell your name right. But, frankly, we could have done without those because, to this day, the legacy persists. All right, so what, what do you do, Vivian Duchelle, when you get a call saying, oh, my goodness, we're on the front pages, we're on the B-roll on the news in the morning and the evening? What do you do with stories like that? You, you try not to lie And you got about one it, minute to you, tell us, Vivian. <laughs> okay. You try never to lie. That's my mantra. But you also try to protect the privacy of the guests, whether they're guilty or not guilty. The biggest thing is you've got to try to keep the paparazzi out because they will come up with nefarious ways to get in there and talk to some poor housekeeper and ask her what she saw and heard. Oh, my goodness. So, But, it, but it, in some cases, bad publicity isn't always bad publicity, is it? Well, in a case of a hotel like that where people didn't know it, um, we had an awful lot of people come in and say, hey, can I have the Monica Lewinsky suite, or is this where Mar <laughs> Marv Alpert was? I mean, some people have a strange sense of humor. <laughs> uh, we're going to come to you from time to time to talk about hotel public relations uh, as bad things happen around the, the world, Vivian. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Rudy. Uh, drawing on decades of experience as a hotel PR executive, Vivian Deschel is now consulting with various hotel groups and public relations agencies. I'm delighted to have her on the show for the first time. Hope we can talk to her again. We'll be right back in just a moment. We're going to talk about to the diet detective, Charles Platkin, about the, um, well, the healthiness of airline meals. I know that may sound uh, contradictory, but we'll find out in just a moment. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Heritage for the blind reminds you to be kind. There's something you can do for those who depend on you. Call 1-800-DONATE-CARS. 1-800-DONATE-CARS today. Heritage for the Blind is an IRS-recognized charity, and your donation is tax-deductible. Whether your car runs or not, we'll tow it away for free. And as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day hotel voucher to one of many exciting locations. So be a star. Donate your car. Call 1-800-DONATE-CARS or call 1-800-555-6689. And remember, you can prevent blindness by getting your eyes checked annually. Call 1-800-DONATE-CARS, 1-800-DONATE-CARS, today, today. I have
have this dizzy feeling every time I get out of bed, like spinning. I don't know why. It's awful. I get dizzy when I read or work on the computer. I get lightheaded walking down a hall or aisle. Or unsteady on my feet. I lose my balance and get a little motion sick. It's like vertigo. That dizzy feeling in a car, train, or airplane. It's awful. An inner ear problem. Most likely your vestibular system. Now there's Zyvestra. An amazing, fast-acting... Dual-action tabs and targeted cream. You rub behind your ear. Behind your ear. And it works in an advanced homeopathic way to relieve dizziness. It relieves that vertigo feeling. That dizzy feeling, gone. Zyvestra is amazing. No more suffering from dizziness and queasiness. Wake up with better balance. Call right now for your risk-free trial of Zyvestra. Call 1-800-304-1684. 800-304-1684. Stop the dizziness. Call 800-304-1684. That's 800-304-1684. Do you suffer from a magnesium deficiency? My doctor told me I needed more magnesium, so he recommended I use Magox 400. You're not alone. Millions of Americans don't get enough magnesium in their daily diet. And magnesium is a critical nutrient that helps you convert carbohydrates, protein, and fat into energy. Doctor recommended Magox 400 is made with the most concentrated form of magnesium available. And each dose of Magox 400 provides all the magnesium you need each day. Magox 400's magnificent. Try Magox 400, the magnificent magnesium supplement. For over 100 years, the company store has offered the ultimate in high-quality handcrafted products. Everything from comforters and sheets and bed pillows to towels, rugs, quilts, and so much more. Find the comfort you're looking for this holiday season and for many years to come. Go to thecompanystore.com and enter code COMFORT to receive 15% off your entire order and free shipping. That's thecompanystore.com. The Company Store. We're all about comfort. This segment of the program is brought to you by MedJet Assist. Unlike other evacuation services, only MedJet Assist lets you decide which hospital will be your final destination. Regardless of the nature of your illness or injury, if you're hospitalized while traveling, they'll be there for you. So take trips, not chances, and visit MedJetAssist.com or go to RudyMaxa.com and look under radio sponsors for more info. How healthy is that uh, meal that the uh, airlines sometimes put in front of you? They used to put it in front of you a lot more. Now you've got to fly some pretty long flights or be sitting in business class in order to get a meal. You may know the name Charles Platkin from his television show, I Want to Save Your Life. It's on, Charles, is it We TV or WE? I've never heard anyone say it. We, we TV. We TV. Now, this is a great series um, yeah. in which Charles does a, sort of an undercover health intervention. Um, but you also turned your attention recently toward airline meals. How did this come about? What did you find, Charles? Well, I, you know, I do this annually, and um, it came about about – I started this about 10 years ago. Uh, I was on a flight, and this is when they did serve free food, and I was not traveling in business or first class. I was in economy class, and I, I was – the food was put in front of me, and I said, you know – and put in front of everybody, and I said, "Gee, you know, I wonder, I wonder how high in calories this is. I wonder if it's even healthy." And everybody seems to eat it, even though it's terrible. And I started uh, the process of gathering all the food information from all the airlines, analyzing it with registered dietitians, and I put out the first survey. And that was in 2000. And has yeah. airline? Let's just speak generally for just a moment. Has airline food gotten? I know there's less of it, but has it gotten better? Well, you know, I, I would say that it's gotten, it's changed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. 
I think it's gotten better. Uh, and over the years, I think that the airlines have seen that they can turn you know, food into a profit center and that they can use this as a you know, way of marketing their, their airlines as opposed to giving away free food. They're charging for it. But as a result, they can offer somewhat better quality food and possibly somewhat healthier, although all the airlines have not sort of captured that moment uh, you know, currently. I think in the next five years, we're going to see airlines realize, like a lot of the fast food change and the casual dining change, that healthy food is a marketing tool and that people do want that and they, they are interested in, in consuming those kinds of you know, healthier, nutrient-dense foods. You found some uh, airlines like Virgin America happy to, to work with you, and then you found someone, some like Spirit who said they really didn't have time to read the uh, caloric uh, count in their meals. Um, how do you uh, weigh? Uh, do you rely on the airlines to give you the information, or do you send this to a lab that well, this, uh, checks this, out the food? This is what we do. We, we uh, contact uh, all the airlines, um, and we ask them for the, uh, for the nutritional information for all their packaged goods and fresh, fresh in the economy class and their fresh foods. Many of the airlines didn't comply for years, and part of the rating, the rubric that I use in order to rate the airlines for a health rating, one of the components of the six is the cooperation from the media relations department, and there's a reason why. If the media relations department has no interest in facilitating getting this information to people, well, clearly they don't have confidence in their food in terms of health, mm -hmm. and they're not really interested in food in terms of their passengers. And it, it, it's sort of... Um, uh, it, it runs true that the most helpful are typically the airlines that have the best quality and the healthiest fare. So it's, it, it came about. So that rating um, is only one component of it, but it's it's a critical and important component. If you go to uh, uh, um, uh, Charles' website, it's dietdetective.com, you will find airline by airline a uh, examination of the food served. For example, on Air Canada, I was surprised to see that the roast beef wrap uh, was coming in at 440 calories. The vegetarian sandwich was coming in at only 50 calories less at 390. So sometimes those things can be, be, be deceiving. I think this is a fascinating study. And, Charles, uh, I love your, your uh, motto, which I think you've registered actually uh, as a trademark, think before you eat. And I guess that applies to when we're in the air as well as on the ground. That's, that's right. It's really important. And uh, yeah, I'm a professor at CUNY School of Public Health at Hunter College, and I try to tell all my nutrition students that that's the kind of message that is, is critical. Think before you eat. Try to educate people to understand that concept. Try to, you know, really, you know, and, and, and even something like this, an airline study like this, it's meant to raise awareness. Sure. And over the years, it really has raised awareness for the airlines and has, you know, has really been a consumer advocate type of approach to increasing the quality of the foods that is served. In 20 seconds that we have left, who was the best airline and who was at the bottom of the heap? Air Canada and Virgin America were the best airlines in terms of cooperation, in terms of the food choices that they have. Really, you know, especially Air Canada stands out. They have a menu analysis with, Air Can with um, food with a conscience. The worst spirit, I mean, I have to tell you, we emailed them our guesstimates, their packaged goods. All they had to do was go and check. They wouldn't even do that. Yeah. Um, Delta, they cooperated. They could do a lot better. The other airlines were completely fantastic and really helpful. Oh, terrific. Well, Charles Blatkin, thank you so much for uh, joining us. However, briefly, dietdetective.com is the website. I would recommend it, uh, particularly go and look at the uh, breakdown of the menus on some of these airlines. Charles, I hope we can talk again. Thank you so much, Rudy. Take care.
you, you as well. It's 48 minutes after the hour. We're going to come back and we're going to uh, join again Paul Priestman, who we had sort of a limited time to talk to at the top of the hour. We're going to talk about Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. segment of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by Service Magic. Now you can hire pre-screened home pros with confidence for repairs, remodeling, plumbing needs, maid services, and so much more. Visit www.homebuild411.servicemagic.com. That's homebuild411.servicemagic.com. At the top of this hour, we're talking with the London-based Paul Priestman. He's the director of a multidisciplinary design group. It works on branding, transport, environment, product, and package design. We were talking about his concept of a moving platform for trains, not uh, what we do now with trains, which is we take a taxi or a car or a tram to a train station, then get on the train. Maybe we miss it. Maybe we wait for half an hour for it to come. He says, why don't we have trams circulating in cities that come outside of the city and sort of speed up a bit as the high-speed train comes by? The high-speed train slows down. The two of them mate. They, the doors open. And even as the trains are moving, the folks who need to get off the high-speed train gets on the tram and vice versa. Uh, in other words, keep the whole thing rolling right along. Um, we had an abbreviated time to talk, so I asked him to come back because I, one of the things you talked about, Paul, yeah. um, in, in an article I read on your website uh, was the concept of a New York to Los Angeles high-speed train. Now, to Americans, this is this is like a pipe dream. We've been promised this, for, or, or people have spun visions of this for so many years. I know you're yeah. not a numbers cruncher. You're not the guy who's going to decide whether the budget can handle it. But is something you think the United States ought to seriously consider? Well, yeah, I think I think they, I think it, it should be because I think it, inevitably it's a quicker way to get across the city, across the country. Um, you know, I think I think it's a design problem. People aren't using trains at the moment because you know going by car is more convenient um, because you can go from from where you want to go from from where you are to where you want to go. And I think with moving platforms, there's a possibility of actually going where you want and when you want. So, in other words, it would this would start somewhere on the East Coast or West Coast uh, at a major city and sort of touch along outside of major cities all along the way, but really never stop moving. That's right. Yeah. So it does two things. It, well, it does a number of things. One of them is it it, it shortens the length of the overall journey for people going long distance. Um, it also saves a lot of energy because the trains aren't having to come to a complete stop and then accelerating back up again with everybody on board. And it's, it's actually saving time for people actually going from destination to destination. And if, if, if you look at a map of the United States, you know, the, the reason we don't, oh, excuse me, the reason that uh, various bureaucrats give for the fact we don't have high-speed train is mm -hmm. unlike Europe and Asia as well. We don't have these big cities grouped so closely next to each other, except perhaps uh, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, yeah. maybe London and San Francisco. Is that a valid argument? I, I don't think so. I, th I think um, there is a. I mean, look at look at the Trans-Siberian Railway from all the way across Russia. Um, look at <laughs> yeah. some of the new high-speed trains in 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 China that we're we're uh, designing trains for at the moment. They're going long, long distances, and they're replacing um, air travel, short-haul um, air travel. And um, you know, I think it's more convenient. It's a more pleasant way of travelling. Um, you can get up and go to a restaurant. Um, you don't have to uh, switch off your laptop. You know, when take off and landing. Um, there's lots of advantages of traveling by rail. 
Um, and I think it, it is a design issue because it's up to us as designers, like myself, to, to make it more appealing than going by car or by, by short-haul plane. Oh, goodness, you can have a mini hotel room on a train, which you can on a plane. Absolutely, you can sleep. I mean, you can have full, full couchettes. I mean, you can, have, uh, you can have bedrooms on there. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, live... I do, I do think that, that, that rail, the platforms and, and railway stations just haven't moved on since, you know, 100 years ago. They're still, you know, outside, you get wet, and, uh, you know, you have to wait for trains on them. And uh, it, it's interesting that, that railway stations haven't really evolved in the way that hotels and maybe airports have. I know and, your company um, I works. Back behind, isn't it? I'm, yes, I know uh, that your company works a lot with transportation officials and com and other companies. Yep. Has your idea of moving platforms found any resonance among those professionals? Yes, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of interest in it. Obviously, I mean, this is a this is a sort of future thought, really. Um, it's going to take a lot of sort of coming together, lots of different industries. You know, the people that make the tracks, that make the make the trains, make the infrastructure. But, um, you know, I, I just think it's a time to readdress the way that, that we're just building these new high-speed trains running on an old system. And I think it's, it's time to evaluate it and make it more efficient. Well, my first thought was, what are we going to do with the train stations? And then I thought of the Musée d'Orsay in Paris, which is a former train station and is now a stunning <laughs> art museum. Yeah. I mean, there's some fantastic stations around the world, um, you know, New York or whatever. But I, I just question whether we need to keep on building them. Um, by the very nature of new high-speed lines, they tend to have to go on the outside of cities because it's very expensive to go through the center. You either have to go underground or, you know, having to, uh, you know, move, move buildings out of the way to get, get the, the line through. So by the very nature, they're going to be on the outsides of cities. And it, the, these, these new stations take up so much land, and they're, and they're in effect, they're big car parks. That's, a, that's an excellent cars. point, that if you didn't have to build within a, uh, an existing city, you would save uh, billions, I presume. Yeah. Uh, well, Paul, listen, I, I told our audience when we rang off the top of the hour that I want to have you back on another show and talk a bit about hotel design and cruise ship design. Yeah. Uh, will you consider uh, joining us again? I would love to, yeah. Cruise ship design is uh, really interesting. Okay. My guest is Paul Priestman. If you'd like to know more information, he's got a very uh, uh, informative design website called it's at Priestman Good. There's an E on the end of good. Priestman, like priest, man, good with an E on the end. Priestmangood.com. It's a London-based firm. We appreciate uh, uh, Paul joining us. Paul, thank you very much. Thank you very much. We are ending, wrapping up the first hour of Rudy Max's World. I hope your station is staying with us for the second hour. Most of our, by far, most of our stations do. But if your station is signing off, we'll look for you here, same place, same time, next weekend. Come on back. We've got a full menu of stuff to talk about in the next hour on travel. We'll take a break for about six minutes and we'll be with you again. Listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.